the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Tom Cole is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from bees, pollinating and tomatoes. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus, of course, that plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Joyce in Colchester. Joyce, I always think of Colchester and Kent, don't you, Joyce? No. Why? <laughs> Come on, Kent's used to be the massive great nursery that used to grow roses in Colchester, didn't it? Oh, what, I don't know. I come from Kent. Come I've from moved here now. Oh, well, you see, you're in a much better county now, and I tell you what, the gardening programme's much better over here. We heard about that the other week. So, <laughs> well, you usually help me, but oh, I've made a right mess of things. Oh, I have. what you done, Joyce? Well, I've got conifers. Uh, behind uh, my rose, there's um, nine roses there, mm-hmm. and there's these conifers. I should have had them cut down in the spring, and I left it too late because I thought all oh, the buds are out uh, on my roses. So I left it, and it is, they are sky high. And I've, I've tried to cut the hanging bits off, and I've made a mess of that. They're all dying. So, oh, hang on, the, you cut the bits off which? The roses or the... No, no, uh, the conifers that were oh. hanging over, I thought they can't get any water or any light. So um, I've made a mess of them. I've now got to phone a phone a tree surgeon to come and sort this out. So now the roses, there's not a single bud on them right. for the second lot. Okay. So I thought, I wonder if I can cut them down. Or is it too early? Right, tell us how big are these roses then? And then uh, Tom, I'm sure he's looking as if he's rearing to go. Ready to pounce. Yes, so how high are the roses now? Oh, it's tall as me. Oh, too tall. So what would you do with them, Tom? They've obviously suffered with this conifer. Yeah. Forget the conifer, shall we? That's yeah. tree man's yeah. So, yeah, the conifer's... Yeah. It's, it's a bit... Probably a little bit dry as well. And also this light has caused them to go maybe a little bit more skyward. Uh, so if you can get those sorted, brilliant. That'll let more light in for the plants. I mean, I wouldn't personally do a great deal uh, at the moment to the roses. Um, if anything, just ensure that they do have moisture. Well, and that um, is the trouble. They're not yeah. getting any... Uh, Well, that's going to be the problem in the plant trying to produce a flower because it's either going to go hell for leather in producing flowers and keel over because it's just not getting enough goodness Uh or it's just going to put some growth into the odd leaf. Um, what you, I mean, have you got things like garden compost that you've got lying around or you well, make I yourself? I've got um, a bag, what I'd, I'd taken from my own compost. I've got a, a bag full of that that's been, it's really rotten now. I mean, yeah. I could, if, you could, if you could get a chance to just really wet around the base of the plant, yes. that soil's got to be moist, then put that type of compost on the top of that soil and that will trap in the moisture and yeah. it'll, it'll probably, it will help help them but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you've got to probably put more water in whilst you're sorting out the conifers uh, because oh, they do need they do need quite a bit of moisture and it's on a slope yeah you know, it's draining off and we've only had one lot of rain so if you've got that organic matter on the surface, even that, even that would actually slow down the water yeah. loss. So that's going to be better than nothing at all. Yeah, but you don't reckon I should cut them? No, don't do any cutting. I wouldn't do that until uh, you come into the spring uh, next year. So maybe the end of February, March oh, time, I, I would do that. Do it in October. And again in the spring. That's all right. That's Top okay. Off in October. If, if, it, if it's quite windy, it's good practice to cut them down a little bit, stop some wind rocking, um, and then yeah. come back and do your proper pruning in spring. But it's going to be a slow job, and yeah. the conifers are the real problem. Yeah, get those sorted first, I think. And then work on it. Uh, I'm talking to roses, as we were. Um, there's Kazra has sent us an email saying she's uh, heard me discussing the other week, and in fact, it was with, uh, we also mentioned it on the podcast as well. Don't forget the podcast of the programme, available mid afternoon. Um, and just to, just to clarify that we were talking, Dave Gillen and myself, about how. People buy a plant in a container, in a pot, 
that's being grown on the garden centre and then they leave them in it. And of course, they're grown in that pot. They're not grown to be left in the pot, they're grown in that pot, as you would any plant. And what we were saying was that so often people will buy a lovely plant, leave it in it, and, and they deteriorate and deteriorate. So Kazra has picked up on that and she says, She's planning on creating a large rose border and recently purchased 10 rose bushes. Uh, they're actually David Austin. Um, and she doesn't want to plant them until sort of September, October. Uh, but she's been watching the temperatures, but she's been watering and feeding them. But she said, in all honesty, they're not looking that happy. Um, when should she plant them? Well, what she's not saying is, where she's planting them. She's not saying whether they're going in the ground or in the, in, or in the, in the, I'd get them in the ground now, wouldn't you? I, as long as the ground's okay and it's not rock hard. Uh, get them in the ground and water them. But get them in the ground, really water them thoroughly and don't just rely on that one watering. You, you're going to have to come along again and do some initial and some other watering. And again, when, once that ground is, is wetter, it's also quite a good time then to, you know, try and keep the water in there. So using organic mulches, good old rotted garden compost as a layer on the surface of the soil, that would really help the plants a lot as well. But you're right, you know, they're, they're just carriers, aren't they, pots in yeah, a garden centre? Just to get you from A to B. From A to B. You've grown <clears> it in there, it's ready to sell, it's ready to plant. Yeah. Needs to go in the ground. It'll really benefit from that soil structure. I haven't gone right to the bottom of the email because I realise they're from Ontario in Canada, but it makes no difference wherever you are in the world. It's the same principle. And it's nice to see that David Austin roses are popular in Canada yes. as well. We go back to the phones and talk weeds with John from Rayleigh. Don't forget that number to call is 0800 111 That's 0800 111 and we'll talk gardening. Uh, John from Rayleigh. Hello, John. Uh, good morning, Ken. Good morning, Tom. Well, I've got two little problems. One first is a weed. You see it on all the edge roads. It's a climber. It's got a like, heart-shaped leaf and a white flower that comes on it. I don't know how it's going to be garden, but all of a sudden it's just spreading and spreading. How do I get rid of it? That's buying weed, by the sounds of it. Uh, is it a glossier green leaf or is it quite a small leaf? Quite a large glossy leaf, or oh, it's an art shaped leaf. Yeah, yeah. fairly big. I say about three, four <clears throat> inches. Three and inches. His, and he's got his lovely trumpeted flowers. Yes, which are quite pretty. Quite pretty, but uh, quite an invasive plant. You've really got. There's a couple of things you can do. Really, I mean, you could actually dig out the entire plant with its root and shoot system. That's uh, one key thing to do, uh, and. Without, with all the best will in the world, you may not get all of it out, and therefore it still grows from any section that's left in the ground. So be very thorough if you're digging. If um, you want to use any of the uh, sort of weed killers, there are quite a few products out there where, where things like a touch products or gel-based products that have got an ingredient called glyphosate in. Uh, it's absorbed by the plant. Basically, it's taken down into the base of the plant and kills the plant off in time. But maybe you might want to use maybe a couple of applications of that. It's not going to work straight away. You will need several. Yeah. Don't dig out. That's the important thing, isn't it? Sorry? You wouldn't keep digging because it... it's, it's weighing that up as to how easy is it for you to dig out because this plant is notorious for growing through something that might yeah, be clump forming. Yeah, it's through all me plants. So another all way... Plants and everything is for everything. Yeah, and it's, yeah it's a nightmare plant. Um, what you can also all do is put, <laughs> put canes in around the base of the plant. The plant will always grow to the highest point. That will actually get the plant up so it's much easier to see and actually get all that uh, gel-based product on wipe it up and down the plant that means you're not spraying and actually potential drift onto those other plants but it is going to be difficult it's a hard it's hard work because you as you say you've got it growing through other plants so it's a combination of that and also some some digging out where you possibly can right the other question is uh, i've got a eucalyptus garner oh the gunny eye yes lovely yeah. that's a nice plant is that, what's the name of it gunny eye eucalyptus gunny eye gunny eye yeah right I've had it for a few years now. I believe it's about two foot high. How high is it now? About 11 foot. Yep. Right. This year, all the top foliage has died off. Yep, seeing quite... The stem is green, but at the bottom, it's shooting out everywhere. They do. 
they will do they'll shoot out from the base all about the stem and actually where it's died off any buds just below that which are okay it will shoot out from that point as well we're finding actually quite a few plants are have have actually suffered a lot uh, with the heat not just from this year but also from last year sometimes when you get this very intense sunlight it scorches and burns so you can get dieback the best thing to do is that's dead it's not going to come back from that point just cut back down to uh, the nearest healthy leaf or shoot and you can do that now that's that's fine and you can be quite vicious with a eucalyptus yeah. you don't have to worry yeah i mean even in the spring so march april time yeah you can be quite brutal to that plant cut it by half if you want to yeah and then you could keep it just cut to that point every few years because it will want to keep on growing up it will it's a tall plant let's look at plant of the week it's a large family of abutilans yes flowering plants in the mallow family They come from the Americas, Africa and Australia, and even the tropics. Its name, believe it or not, is Arabic. There's nearly 200 species exist. Some of them are known as flowering maples and are now in a genus called Calicantha. Most are actually a wild plant in those areas and they have quite a smallish flower, but many have been cultivated. Some of my favourite. Kentish bell. Now, Kentish bell can actually is a sort of climber-ish plant and can be grown against a fence or wall. Flowers are four to five centimetres cup round, bell-shaped, sort of orangey yellow petals with a, a red calyx. So actually, pretty good. Another one that I like is more an upright one, semi-evergreen, falls gold, dark, veined orange flowers, absolutely gorgeous. Um, so, you know, think about getting an abutilum. Well, they're not 100% hardy, though, so they might need a south or east-facing uh, area to look after them. But most do not like wet, never put them in wet, or heavy clay. They like a loamy, sandy soil. So if you've got a clay-based soil, what you want to do is actually add a bit of sharp sand, mix it in, get some humus in there, and it'll be fine and happy fairly disease free sometimes get scale and mealy bug prune back in the spring when all the nasty weather is out the way so that's a butylon in the mallow family so you know what it's about go out and get one you'll see them in garden centres and nurseries at this very moment hello pamela Oh, hello. Good morning. First of all, on the tomatoes, thanks for the incredible advice given earlier in the year um, by Jeff. I didn't know when to put them out. It was the first year into the foray world of tomatoes. Okay, yeah, He recommended not to move them from the initial pot until they had a flower. I've done that, and um, I've now got five bracts um, on all of them. The bottom ones are all red, going up and up. My question is on the tomatoes, when, when should I sort of cut the top? I mean, everything's looking great, but um, I'm not sure when, when it should stop. Well, it, it's, it's an interesting one because some people stop them. I never do. Oh. No, yeah, it depends where you're growing, though, doesn't it? If you, These are if, growing outdoors. Yeah. So, um, they are outside and they're growing up the outside of a garage wall and um, getting the sun most of the day and it's, it's a, very healthy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop them, would you? If they're growing up against the wall, they're quite happy. What would you do, Tom? They're fine. I think they're, if they're getting a tooth out of your, out of your reach, uh, then take the top... <laughs> Then take the top out. It's not going to harm the plant. But they are a plant that actually, commercially, we yeah. layer. And in fact, oh, where, right. where you might just allow the plant to produce maybe 10 or so trusses, those plants have about 30-odd plus ah. trusses. And that's because they can lay them down. And as long yeah. as they've got somewhere to climb up, to be trained yeah, so up. I've got them all um, um, tied to long sticks. Yeah. Brilliant. All the way up. And um, the bottom now seven and eight on each. And beautifully reddening up so i'll be cropping those shortly and i didn't quite know because the top ones are still in flower but you can see the little ones no, you know keep going yeah. and as long as you're keep feeding going. and watering yeah. and keeping on top of it the yeah. you won't deteriorate the bottom no. tomatoes by not, not cropping at more at the top that's right it's, oh, it's no. just you just need that support for them so as long as you've got support oh, yes, that, then the plant is absolutely fine yes i'm telling you John, but thanks for that wonderful tip i mean it, right. i think it's an incredible thing to know and the other thing is, of course, yeah, so I didn't do very well last year, but it was a difficult year. But this year, um, 
I've had the most healthy, wonderful plants, big yellow open trumpets. I have lots and lots of poppies nearby, so there's been so many bees, unbelievable. And yet nothing was seeming to pollinate, nothing was appearing behind. So I've started self-pollinating with um, a dry, clean paintbrush from the poppies two of the calls yet while they were wide open yeah. and I, I've just been out looking again I look every day luxuriant growth everything looks wonderful but absolutely no calls yet so when the flower finishes there's absolutely nothing going on behind so I really don't know what else I can do to and encourage in, pollination what's interesting is that actually you're not the first I mean over the last few weeks including I don't know whether Jeff I think Jeff had one on calls yet as well it has been a and not an easy year for courgette. No. And generally, it's actually temperature and weather problems have been the main problem, haven't they, Tom? Absolutely. I mean, uh, because the other problem is some people are finding that they're just getting male flowers and not getting female yeah. flowers. The female flowers will eventually come in. It's just going to be but a like, slightly protected season, really. It's the season, the temperatures. Yeah. And it... So you do what you're doing, because yeah. that's right. I mean, make sure there's moisture, make sure you're feeding. Misty uh, occasion. You can do that. That can actually mm. assist with some pollination. And actually, what you're doing while you're moving the pollen from the male to the female flowers that you've got is one way of trying to ensure that. But it will happen. Oh, uh, no, it I'm just not takes... going male to female. I'm going from poppies. Oh, so poppy. I thought no, we were no, talking no. about I mean, courgettes. I one from the other, but the, the one Hang on, no, no, you've got to go... Ah, no, well, you're doing it with a dry, with a dry no. paint. Right, no, 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 no. Sorry, we've misunderstood then. No, no said, you're I not... No, the one from right. the other. It's OK. No. Right. Hang on, hang on then, hang on in. Right, what you've got to look for, when you look at your courgette flower... A male will have no, uh, it has a little bulge, the female has a little bulge behind the flower. That's right. A very tiny bulge. Right. Now, chances are, just what Tom said, is that there are problems this year with lots of male flower and less female flower. So, so the only difference between the two, the bulge. Yes. Yeah. The so, bulge. So, you get, so you get the bulge behind where the female petals female are. Is, yeah. the uh, so and then on the male flower, all you'll have are some fairly long yellow filaments in the middle of right. the flower, but no bulbous space at the bottom where the petals are. So you're going from male yeah. flower to yeah. female flower. Yeah. Forget the poppies. The poppies are just getting the <laughs> getting the bees in. <laughs> well, that's what I was hoping. You so you might just be pollinating male flowers. Yeah. So, so oh, uh, you know, I really didn't realize, as I say, this is a new area for me, yeah. the, the courgettes and things, to this degree. So, um, well, I, I've learned a lot there. So, would you always get the males, or is it possible will only the females turn up? No, what, no, what, we're, no, what we're saying is climatic, climatic conditions, which yes. this year have been a little strange, yes. have actually made the courgette <clears throat> plants here. Yeah generally produce more male flowers than female. Female will come... You'll get the male first, then you'll get the, get the females female. coming in. So I think just persevere for the moment. You're fine. The plant looks good. It sounds very good. You don't need to do that pollination part yourself. It will happen naturally. OK. Let us know, Pamela, how you get on. And I'm glad Jeff was giving you some good advice because that's what we like to hear. Jeff was looking after things the other week. And um, talking of Jeff, actually, he also... Um, didn't get round to talking to John McKellen, McLellan. And John was concerned. He'd grown some tomatoes. He'd grown some Gardener's Delight. And he was concerned that they had produced absolutely masses and masses. Um, they're in a greenhouse and some F1 Shirley's as well has got upper trusses. But he's, he says he's removed some of the trusses. But the flowers are fine. Don't worry. I mean, tomato. Do you worry about how many flowers and how many trusses? No, no. It's a bonus. You, you, you get. You know, you know the picture we got there is very nice. It's, it's a lovely, healthy plant. It is. Isn't the it? truss is burgeoning with flowers. Absolutely great. You're doing great work there. So leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Yeah. If Jeff would have said exactly the same, I'm certain we agree on a few things, Jeff and myself. Brian from Harold Hill. Hello, Brian. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Uh, right, tomatoes will. Yep. Uh, thank you very much for your response to my email I sent you with some photographs. Um, I followed your advice, cut it right down to ground level, yep. and within three days I've had an 18-inch stem grow up. That's good. And it's nice, fit and healthy. But I've got several questions to ask in relationship to the tomatoes wilt. The only thing I did differently uh, regarding this uh, tomatoes, it was fit and healthy and full bloom and looking lovely. 
But I planted a basil plant because this is actually in part of my herb garden. I planted a basil plant. Is it possible this fungus could have come from the basil plant? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> right. Now, the other thing was I was concerned that this, this I mean, it died so quickly, but it followed a heavy downpour. Now, looking at it, researching clematis wilt and this fungus, um, it said that it really comes, well, comes into rapid action following watering. So, because I'd have a heavy downpour, this obviously... It could have done. It, that, that seemed to accelerate its, 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 you know, its situation. But I'm feeding with a low nitrogen feed. Am I right in doing that? Well, you could you could actually use a tomato feed. I mean, you, you do need to have a degree of nitrogen because that's the bit that's going to help promote the leaf and yeah. shoots. Uh, but you also need the potassium in there because that's, that's going to help with the flower formation. Uh, so, Eddie, a, a liquid feed that's got a good proportion of nitrogen and potassium is what you need. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly what I'm using. So that, 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 that's fine. Yeah, lovely. And is there anything to be done to prevent this uh, tomatoes will? Well, it's it's one of these things where, on the whole, it tended to, to just attack uh, young plants, uh, but we have seen one or two plants yeah. where you get this old limb that just collapses and takes itself back. All you can do there is to do what you've done, and that's to cut back and sort of reinvigorate uh, the plant. Um, making sure you've got it in the right sort of growing conditions, which sounds like you have anyway, but there has been a bit of um, wilt uh, coming About, into the system yeah. at the moment, yeah. And in fact, mulching around that base as well. If you're are you growing basil round the base to give it ground cover no, as well? No, no, you're not. No, two to three feet away. The, the oh, right. No, no, no. Yeah. But I was wondering whether it was up against it because sometimes a bit of shade won't hurt around well, the shade, base. Well, the shade is really good for the base because it likes I mean. cool bottoms, hot tops. So, in theory, if you mulch around the bottom to keep it coolish, yeah. that would help. Cool yeah, and I've moist, that, but not I wet. Regularly, uh, as I say, it was. It was I mean, I've got three tomatoes, uh, and two of them are fit and healthy, looking yep. fine. Yeah, happens. Yeah, it does happen. You can have plants in a row, and it's, it's, one will go, and one will one one go for some strange yeah. reason. Yeah. Now, when I cut it down to the ground, the uh, main stems were still green inside. Yep, that's that's, that's okay. Not died off completely. No, no, that's but the rest of it was bone dry and completely yep, dead. So. Uh, Okay. Lovely. Well, thanks right. so much indeed, Ken and Tom. I'm obviously, well, doing the best I can. That's it. That's what you call you can do in gardening is the best you can. Isn't that right, Tom? Absolutely. And we go over to Swaffham in Norfolk now. and We're talking transplanting. Is that right? That's right, yes. What would you like to know? Well, um, I, I inherited this garden when we moved. Um, and there are what I think are three agaves, quite strong agaves, that are, that are planted under the cotinus. So really, they don't get any light, you can't see them. And I thought I'd, trans I'd dig them out and put them elsewhere. And I wonder where, if that's possible and at what time I can do it. How, bi how big are these argives? Um, they're quite wide, so I think they're over two foot wide and probably about quite a foot a good, high. Good size. I think they're agaves. I know the other one is a... Uh, an aloe, but I don't think it's an aloe. Is the, I'm not is sure. the, is the leaf with the the pointed no, leaf? Is it razor sharp? Yeah, they've yeah. got little spikes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, probably, I recommend with most other plants you wouldn't move those at this time of the year because of the weather conditions and yeah. the fact you'd be watering all the time. But the fact you've got a succulent there, uh, mm -hmm. I would actually with the agave. I, I try and lift up as much of the soil around the root zone as possible. Mm -hmm. You're going to need a bit of help with those those size yeah, plants, <laughs> and you're going to be really careful because they are those They're points vicious. are razor sharp. They, mm. I don't like getting cut by those. And then have <laughs> and then do you know where they're going to go? Yeah, I've got a gravel front garden and I know there's soil under the gravel, under the landscape fabric, and I was going to put them in there. Yeah, prep, prep the ground, add a, add a bit of sharp or grit, sharp sand or grit. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like old Monty does, he loves his grit. Put a bit of yeah, that in. Yeah, okay. And what, when should I do it? I would. I could do it now. I do that now. As, yeah, as I was right. saying, that's like an exception to the rule. I yeah, would do that yeah. type of plant because it's more succulent and uh, it's it can cope with drier conditions. Do that with your shrubs and your other plants. I would. I wouldn't recommend it. At yeah, all. I know. Oh, yeah. that's good. That's good to know. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. That's okay. Pleasure. That's what we're here for. Even for the people of Norfolk. Back to gardening questions in a moment. But right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. 
Tom has got some top tips on things that you could actually be getting on with in the next few days. Tom, where do we start? Well, hasn't that weather been absolutely so good that, unfortunately, it's produced loads of growth on all our plants, particularly wisterias. It has, isn't it? And, and they keep on producing it, don't they? They will, do, and they're keeping on flowering as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to hope to get three flushes of flowers this year. Um, He's boasting again. By the side <laughs> of that one, you've got all this long, whippy growth. So having pruned it in the spring, we're now going back to pruning it again, taking back all that whippy growth to around about um, one or two leaves uh, just in front of the old stems. And if you do that all the way over the plants, that's if you don't want it to grow any further, uh, that will give a nice tight compact plant bring the framework back under control concentrate all the energy into whatever's left so that maybe you might even get another flush of flowers fairly shortly or towards the end of the season end if you're of, lucky end of the summer you might mm. mightn't you yeah so there in fact it's a good good reminder isn't it the wisterias are just one you said the weather the weather has really pushed it's pushing the, plants isn't it they're growing yeah. and growing and growing and growing there's no respite there's none at all <laughs> what else you got for us Tom? <laughs> well one of the things that's also good at this time of the year is to look and scour your your flower beds your pots with your with your mm. plants in and there are a number of plants which have now finished flowering and they've gone to seed perfect time to get plants for free. You like doing that, don't I you? I do. I've got uh, Honesty, for example. Honesty's got those lovely translucent seed heads, rounded, flattened seed heads. You can see the dark seed within. And all you need to do is, once they're dry, or if you're not liking them in that situation, you can cut them from the plant to the base, hang them up in the garage somewhere or a shed, maybe put a big bag around them, and as the uh, seed head collapses, the seed falls out, and you could actually literally broadcast that on cleared ground in the garden now, or you could save it an envelope uh, in, a fr- in a cool, uh, dry place, and actually sow them maybe this side of Christmas, or even next spring, and you'll be rewarded with absolutely tons of honesty plants. That's one example. Now, Nigella's another one. Yeah. Maybe no, Nigella. Maybe try and stop it from seeding sometimes because it takes over. Uh, things like at Delphiniums. Delphiniums, you can collect those seeds when they're actually in the green and you can then sow them fresh. Um, lots and lots of things you can actually do at this time of the year for, for free. For free. And you mentioned wisterias, but sometimes they produce seed. Is it worth growing them from seed? Not particularly, no. I mean, it'll give you a good plant, lovely vegetative plant, but uh, your flowers, you could be waiting a long, 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 long time. So don't bother. So don't bother. Thanks very much, Tom. I'm finishing on a don't bother with the wisteria. (laughs) The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, Robert. Hello there. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. What what have you got for us, Robert? All right. It's a cherry tree. Yeah. I always wanted to have one, and mother in law bought us one. For a Christmas present, my neighbour helped me plant it in January or end of January time. That's when it was delivered, and uh, yeah, we dug a massive big hole. We went by all the uh, instructions, mulch, the feed. In fact, we put a rose feed in it, according to a certain garden centre, and uh, yeah, and it took off, and it was lovely. Loads and loads of water, and all of a sudden, I went off to France in May. <sighs> came back and it started looking a little bit funny and then went to France again in June come back and it was dead there's a lesson there isn't there don't, you must don't never go, go on to holidays <laughs> I'll tell you what it did have a lot of black flies on the leaves no that's uh, well, there's a couple. Of, there's a couple of problems. That's not your main problem. It though. was very dry in May. Yeah, that's the first problem. Yeah, isn't it? Right. Yep. Okay. So what you did at the beginning year is brilliant. That that's all that sort of all good textbook uh, sort of uh, planting there. But the thing is, it's a tree. It's got a very minute root system. It hasn't very. It hasn't foraged into the ground around it really right. at all. And watering is still very important during those hot, dry. Uh, conditions yeah. that we've been having yeah, yeah. so I think it's water stress that the plant to suffer from and that reacts in a way where you might get sudden leaf drop or sudden leaf browning yeah. and in the intensity of the sunlight that's also caused scorching uh, so right. you know lots of plants have suffered that uh, this year doesn't mean your plant is has gone have you scraped the bark where it is brown to see if there's any oh, greenness in there no, because that, that, that'll tell you whether it's alive and if it's if it's still alive has it got any leaves that are visible on there at all at the moment no none whatsoever when the cherries did arrive about june time i think it was late june or july 
uh, early July days. They didn't really flourish. We we tried eating a few of them, me and my wife, but no, they were sour. Mm. But all of a sudden, the leaf got like a, a very kind of a funny black bug on it, all behind the leaves. Yeah, that's aphid. I them all. Yeah, that that's aphid. There's been a lot of that as well, and that can cause some crinkling and curling of leaves. It looks quite unsightly. That really stresses the plant that's as well. It. That's what happened. They all curled mm. up. So it's yeah. a combination so, of things you've had there. But the most important one was that water. But scrape the bark, see if there's any green underneath, and if so, don't give up. No. The problem is, though, you have no leaves to take up. So I think if it's green, leave it and just monitor the plant. When it starts to come into leaf, which I would think it may well do if you do that, then start to gradually introduce water. If it has has died and you replace it... Yeah. Um, there are, you can buy a, a, a bag-like thing. It's like yes. a polythene bag, and you tie them round the stem of the tree and stake, and they slowly drip water down into the tree. Yeah. And that okay. will be, if you keep going off to France like you seem to, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. you've, got, yeah. you've got to do something like that to give it a chance of surviving. Okay. Okay. Yeah, great. Thank you. Oh, it was called a Stella, by the way. Stella's a nice, it's it's a nice cherry. It's a good cherry. Let's hope it's alive still. Best of luck, Robert, and let us know how it gets on. Um, My daughter and her partner bought a bonsai. It actually looks like a ficus, ficus, uh, the small leaf ficus, Benjamina often is, is bonsai'd, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And they brought it out the uh, spare bedroom, and, of course, it's infested with aphid. Uh, it looks dreadful, but, yes, it is savable. Um, I wonder whether... Is the drench still available, do you know, that you could get... Do you remember there was a drench, wasn't there, that was for vine weevil? That you I could, think that it's still there, isn't it? We're worth checking your garden centres for that. Yeah, because there's a drench, um, and if you drenched it with that, it would take it up and get rid of it, if not spray. If not it. spray, spray, but not in a hot, sunny window area. No. Bring it into the room a bit more, spray it, spray underneath the leaf. And um, <clears throat> there's a, you know, there's some really good sites out there for bonsai, lots of local bonsai groups as well to, to contact. And that's uh, Mike... Thank you very much, Mike, and I hope that helps you. Uh, it's an email, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Jean from Southend. Uh, bees were talking, is that right, Jean? Yes. What would you Hello? like to... Yes, what would you like to talk about your bees, then? Well, we've got them nesting in the lawn. Um, we've had yeah. them before, yeah. but they've just been sort of single little holes. And mm-hmm. um, this time, there are holes just got bigger and bigger yeah and um it's about two three inches across so I, i'm just wondering if they'll go away of their own accord um, or... the trouble is these these bees are very important to our to oh the i hu- don't want to get rid of them no, no. um well, chances to... are they won't go <laughs> they won't go away um a lot of the solitary bees will come back to the same place and that's one of the problems with solitary bees mm. isn't it well in fact most bees will go back to the same place won't they um there's no easy answer is it Tom? not then there's much you can do there's there's nothing you can do really um <laughs> work around there's them nobody that can come and take them away or anything i don't want to get rid of them i mean i've got all friendly plants in the garden you could try talking to i mean i honestly don't know the answer to that no um if you talk to a a local bee society or club best people to talk to they would definitely give you advice and i'll tell you what gene if you do get interesting advice about how they can let us know them we will be very interested to know because it's something i honestly don't know the answer to i'm just wondering i'm worrying actually we've got two very small children next door playing in the garden mm-hmm. i'm just wondering if they'll swarm or, or do anything no no solitary solitary bees generally if left alone they're fine i mean yeah. i always think oh, people worry about bees and wasps but i always think to myself that really as long as you keep out of their way they will keep out <laughs> of your way yeah that's how I was brought up. But then I was brought up with um, a dad who had loads of fruit trees and we always had bees, wasps and everything to put up with. So mm. <laughs> that's, that's how I grew up. It's got so. bigger and bigger this yeah. year. And, um, Jean, ta- yeah. if, and if anybody from a bee club or anybody that knows about bees and solitary bees and whether you can move them, you can give us a call. That number to call is 0800 111 4041. That's 0800 111 4041. And you can let us know 
whether we could help Jean in South End with that one. Um, I have a tiny garden. Can you grow runners in pots, please? Dawn in Chalfont St Mary. Well, yes. the simple answer is yes. yes. Uh, it just needs to be deep enough, uh, somewhere around uh, 45 to 60 centimetres, about two foot. Yeah. And go for a pot that's about two foot as well. And I've successfully grown three to four plants in a container like that. But you do need to keep on top of your watering and your feeding and have really good support systems. Now, usually we would say July is the last month that you would think of so them but in fact you would get away with it with early August particularly if we have a late or a late summer into autumn yes, you could get away with cropping definitely, definitely think it's worth having a go so they are hopefully that's helped you that's dawn uh, let's now go to Christine in Mayland who's given us a call on 0800 111 we've got a line free at the moment if you'd like to give us a call or send me a text yes 81333 pop Essex on the front and we'll discuss that as well just like dawn did Hello, Christine. Hello. I wonder if you can help me. We're here to try. <laughs> um, I've got a czar plum tree. I think it's C-Z-A-R. Yep, yep. czar, yep. And I've never had any fruit off it. I take it... I'm, I'm going to ask a silly question. You needn't answer it. Don't actually answer me with the correct answer. But you did buy it from a reputable company, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, one of the supermarkets. <laughs> right. Well, let's say that it should have been all right <laughs> going from the supermarket. Generally, they are. Is um, it, I mean, is it, is it, has it got healthy growth, oh, good leaf it's structure? Oh, it's wonderful. It's high now. Yeah. And I, I'd expect... You know what I'm wondering? Uh, go on. I'm wondering whether it's actually the sucker and not the... Do you see what I mean? It could be the... Oh, I was thinking that I had to put another plum tree with it. Zar is... Oh, I don't believe so. No, Zar is not self-fertile. But if you've got a plum or green gauge or anything, I'm sure Zar is not self-fertile. Right. Does it flower? No. Right. Well, we've got a problem then, because if it's not flowering, we've got... Well, it's not been matured enough to produce flowers. I'd still persevere with it, irrespective of where you got it from. (laughs) Um, I won't do that again. I would have thought, being the size you're saying, it should have flowered. It should have. But some things take a longer time to flower. Okay. Here's another... Saying that, about two years ago, I did have one solitary plum on it. Just Ah. one. That's fine. Self-fertile. It is self-fertile. But it's better with other plums. But that's not... It's not going to help that much, No, it? it should still produce right. quantities okay. of flour. This is what I would do. Is it in the lawn or is it in the ground or where is it? It's in a flower bed next okay. to a hawthorn hedge. That shouldn't be a problem. Right. Do you feed it at all? Uh, I haven't been, no. Right. Well, and what's up against it, against the base of the tree? Are there lots of other shrubs or plants? No, 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 it's just Nothing. Bare. Right, it's bare. Fine. I would get something like a Vitax Q4, something like that. Buy Can a you bit of... that again? Vitax Q4? Q4. It's a general general feed. It's yeah. good for fruit trees. And I would... I'd make a hole, actually. Come out to the width of the tree, and I would still go down into the ground with a pole. Right. And then put the Q4 down into the ground rather than just scratch it into the surface. I know Tom's looking a bit negative there. He, he, he'd scratch it in the surface, <laughs> would you? Well, the thing is, if the soil is quite friable, um, I'd probably water it in. Okay. Or, or apply it as a granule, then water yep. it in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Either I've or. Got, yeah. I've got very, very healthy soil here. Yeah, you just got to get it into grow. that soil. Get the feed into it, do it now, and do it, you know, mm. again in the autumn and then again in the spring. Right. Could you repeat what that was called again, please? Vitax. That's V-I-T-A-X-Q-4. I'm going to write that down now. Thank you ever so much for your help. Pleasure. That's Christine in Mayland. And don't forget that number to call is 0800 4041. And the text is, yes, 8133. Start your message with the word Essex. And we're going to go to Brian in Goodmaze. And we're talking tomatoes, Brian, aren't we? That's it, yeah. In the greenhouse, I've got Garner's Delight and Alicante. Uh, the tobaccos are produced, but they're not going red. Not going red at all? And no, no. And are you expecting too much too early, do you think? I'm oh. sitting on the wall here, you know, and I'm saying, do you think you're thinking, oh, they should be red? Are they large? Are they, you know... 
because a lot are they going around? I mean, some people are cropping, but I've been w- looking at social media, well, I've, I've and got, a lot of people are saying that they're, I've, they're I've, not. We've got sun, I've got Sun Gold, and I've got Gold Gardener's Delights. Gardener's Delights are looking quite green at the moment. Mm. I mean, they'll take a while to redden up, but they will redden up. I, I, I think I for, the, for me, that's a bit early at the moment. I think it's a little early, Brian. I see, right. Because they've been their, their right size for some time. Yeah, they will be. Yep. yep. I wouldn't worry on Julie. You're, I take it you're watering and feeding regularly if you've got good, healthy plants? Yep. They're okay. feeding with, to, uh, with tomato uh, feed. Good. Great. That's fine. Just keep going. And just um, just wait. Be yes. Patient. Yep. Patience, yep. That's the one. Gardening is a difficult <laughs> one because we all have to be patient, don't we? Yeah, okay. <laughs> they, right. Thanks. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, it's just true, though, isn't it? We do have to be. And we go to Hardy's Green now and talk to Kim. She, do you know your onions, Kim, do you reckon? Well, <laughs> I like to think I do, but we have had a problem this year. We planted um, a load in, um, in November time and we've lifted them. Um, and my husband has just sprung them up. But we had um, planted... Two-thirds of the red onions that we've got have all turned to seed. Now, why would that be, and can we use them? We're back to weather, aren't we? Yes, weather. So when you get uh, changes in weather, when you suddenly get changes in weather and you get a prolonged period of dryness, then you might get a cold period and then the warm period. The plant wants to go into another section of growth it wants to produce a flower and set seed so what it's doing is it's, it's sort of bolting in a way it's, it's sending up this wonderful flower spike with a flower on the top what you that and it's doing it a lot actually not just with um alliums it's doing it with lettuces and spinach and some of the beets so i just sort of take those off or or crack the top of the onion and just allow the energy still to go into the bulb that's developing but, it, but it's, it's something that was out of your control to a certain extent. Uh, unless you've got to a point where you haven't really... You've underwatered and then you've suddenly watered it. That can also do something similar as well. Right. But, but the answer is yes, you use the, yeah, but you the ones use, that have seeded, you abs- use now. Absolutely. Straight away. Them, yeah, you can use those. OK, but it's only just the red onions, the white onions. We've had um, 55 pounds of white onions, and, cool. and only 10 of them have gone to seed. But just the red onions, majority have gone to seed. I told you she knew her onions, because <laughs> she's got all these white onions. Yeah, it sounds like it's more of a, var- a varietal uh, issue other than anything else. And you're doing exactly what you're probably doing with the, with the red that you're doing with the white ones. But that's a, that's a good yield you've got on the white ones. Very good. Very good. Um, also, might have an answer for the lady with the bees in her grass. Yes. Um, we um, we belong to the Colchester um, Beekeepers Association, and it might be an idea if she looked it up on the internet, found, got got a telephone number, and spoke to somebody in the know um, regarding it. She might be able to have an answer there. Have you got a phone number then for her? I haven't, I'm afraid. My, our oh. internet is down. We're, we've been struggling okay. for the last couple of weeks and I, I oh, can't... Oh, we won't go I'll there be... then. <laughs> we won't argue about that one. <laughs> We're gardening. We won't talk internet then, no? <laughs> no. <laughs> Kim, thank you very much indeed. I think that's good advice. Good advice. Yep. Thank, thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. In just a little while, we'll be back to your calls, text. And we'll try and fit in some emails as well. But let's take a final look at the top tips that Tom has got for us this week. What, come on, what's your final ones then, Tom? Well, uh, don't delay in pruning your restricted fruit trees. So if you've got fans, espaliers, stepovers, cordons, this is the time. You're coming towards the end of it, but this is a good time, if you haven't done so already, to prune the young vegetative growth. Now, that's all. That includes apples, pears, stone yeah, fruits, any a fruits, lot. yeah. So it's pip fruits, stone fruits, all of those. Uh, it can work on where you are restricting them in some way now I just want to emphasise on the apple and that's why I mentioned apples and pears because people think you've got to do them in the winter but if you're doing them trained fruit summer pruning is essential isn't it have to do that because what you're trying to do is remove the excess growth so that light can get into the fruit that are there Uh, it also diverts that energy into that fruit so you get a better quality fruit as well and you maintain the shape of the plant that you've got your fruit trained on so what you do is you take back that young growth almost to where the older wood is but you should see a little whirl of leaves it's called a basal cluster and it's the end of that that one year the base of that one year growth and you just come up from it one or two junctions and cut 
And so you've got a little stub of this year's growth, but actually got now lots and lots of light coming in to help ripen. What I would also do is if the fruit's very congested and it hasn't done it naturally, is to thin out, take out misshapen fruits, small fruits. You know, it's better to have fewer, but maybe larger, better quality fruits. Yeah. And just on that, the small shoots that you're cutting back are actually where you're fruiting uh, fruit will come, your flower and fruit, in the following year. It will do, and it, they'll, they'll develop these sort of what we call uh, fruiting spurs, mm. little little shortened uh, shoots, which hopefully you'll get even more flowers and fruit on there the following year. And then I would think also at this time, to keep those pots and containers in tip-top condition, and also some of your beds and borders, where if plants have flowered, deadhead, if you don't want to have the seed head. And actually that can reduce things like botrytis, grey mould, it can reduce some dieback, also it keeps the plant a bit more compact. So you pull out some of that dead leaf as well from underneath, wouldn't yeah. you, as well? So things like creeping uh, campanula, which might have finished now, literally put your hand into the plant, mm. pull the old flowers, and it actually detaches itself from the base. That reinvigorates the plant. You get another flush of flowers. So you're more than deadheading, you're doing quite a bit of harsh thinning out at the same time. Let's now look at some of those events around the county. And we're going to start with those National Garden Scheme gardens and let's look at Tudor Roost. Tudor Roost is at Freya Way Fingering Ho, number 18 in Colchester. Saturday the 10th and Sunday the 11th, two till five, admission four pound. It's an unexpected, hidden quarter an acre garden it's absolutely beautiful it's got subtropical areas which are really quite exciting to have a look at and something that you might be encouraged to do in your own garden cannas bananas palms agapanthas and agaves not forgetting tree ferns so they are look out for that one another one as well to go oh sorry code for that co57bp 22 New Road, it's a new one for National Garden Scheme, and that's over in Dagenham, or Dagenham, RM10 9NH. I'll remind you at the bottom of that one. 10th and 11th again of this month, and that's open 12 till 5, £4 admission. It's another exotic garden, themed on the foothills of the Himalayas, as in India. <laughs> I tell you what, it is a bit difficult as well. Again, cannas, gingers, bananas... I'll tell you what, it's great ideas and it's even got a lot of um, ideas for vertical growing as well. So that's something to look out for. The code again for 23 New Rhodesianum is RM109NH. Don't forget as well, very important indeed, Meadowcroft Garden Centre. Yeah, you've heard of them. Meadowcroft Garden Centre, 10th and 11th Food and Drink Festival. Beers, wines, gins and more. Children's crafts and live music. £3 to get in, under 12s are absolutely free. Something that I'd like to remind you of, even though it's only on the 7th, is the Tiptree Garden Club at Thurstable School, Maple Road, Tiptree. They have their autumn show on September the 7th at 2pm. Flowers, veg, handicraft and children's exhibit. Cups and certificates. Presented by, yes, our very own BBC Essex, Ray Clark. So there are this, a few events that are on around the county. Why not, yes, why not send them in? And I tell you what, if you send them in, I'll tell people about it. It's as easy as that. All you have to do is send them along to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk and I will do the rest and get people along to your event. So don't forget, if you go to Meadowcroft Garden Centre, tell them, say Ken Crowther recommended you. That's the 10th of the 11th, the Food and Drink Festival. Hello, Julie. Hello, Tom and um, Ken. I have uh, several things I want to speak to you about. Um, I'm trying to keep the garden going after the loss of my husband. Um, Rhododendron, I've got one in a pot. I've got two in the pot, actually, but one is fine. The other one has this fluffy, browny stuff on the leaves. Every time it flowers, the new leaves come up and it starts to get this fluffy, browny stuff. You can rub it off with your finger, but it actually is um, its quite difficult to go over all the plant. So why is it happening? Is it pot-bound? Is it something I'm doing? What would be the reason? Because some ro- some rhododendrons actually have that. They sort do, of yes. Some do them, have a fluffy they? outer coating. Mm. Yeah, on the on the new growth, which is part of a protective yes. Yes. layer that the plant produces, so that wouldn't be an issue. Um, is it? And it's just on the young growth. 
No, it's on all of it. Right. And does it appear underneath the leaves, on top no, of the... No, it's on the top. It's on the and top. I can actually rub it off with my finger. Right. And it's not... You haven't got it near at any trees at all, have you? No, it's near a shed and it's near mm. a wall. But it's only a short wall. You're almost describing something like a, a, a woolly aphid or oh. even a, 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 a tiny scale of some kind. Right. Can you see any... Is any visible damage on the plant? Is it yellowing or...? No, no. There was on the other one, but I treated that seaweed, as you said, a few weeks ago, and that's fine. But, uh, no, there's nothing wrong with this one. I still um, wonder whether it is the... Uh, I still wonder whether... tap water that... I shouldn't be using. Um, well, if you were spraying the plant with tap water, you might get a little grey sheen across uh, the leaf. It, and that can become a little bit powdery. Right. Uh, you, can, you can almost wipe that off. So that's just lime scale that's been deposited when oh, you've watered. No, it's more fluffy. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm still I'm wondering, still wondering I'm, whether it's actual natural. I do as well. Because some right. of the rhododendrons, you know, I recently, I think it was Chelsea, I was looking, talking to one of the rhododendron growers, and in fact, when you look at some of the newer varieties, some of, well, some of the specific varieties, some of them have got this greyishness <coughs> over the leaf, haven't yeah. they, completely? Oh, right. It doesn't happen to the other one. No. The other it, one is fine. But is it the same variety, or is it a different... No, rhod- I think it's a different one. Mm. Mm. Could well be that. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't need you necessarily could... repotting. No. What? Well, oh. only well potting. Um, are you? It's been is in it... it a long time? It's been in the pot a while. Are, can you sort of? Do you feel it, that it's actually pot banned? Is it quite hard to put it's your fingers in? It's quite hard. In... Mm, yeah. I mean, it might it might benefit actually from having the next size up at least. Yeah. Um, and you know, you can do that. I mean, if you're if you're around looking after the plant, I would do that sooner rather than later. Right. And then you, mm. you'll need to use your lime-free compost yes, uh, for I that. I mean, I do it with ericaceous and yep. seaweed and everything, so I, I think I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, it sounds like it, actually, um, yes. That's yeah. good. Anyway, there's a you, couple of other things if you've got time Hang on, me. just if you'd like to send us a leaf, we'll have a look at it for you as well. All right. Yeah, okay. that will really clarify, wouldn't it? Yeah, OK. Um, um, what were the I other things? BBC? Yes, P.O. Box 765, nice easy one. Yeah. Chelmsford, CM29XB. CM29XB. That's it. Okay. Right, what else you got for us? What else you Um, got for us, Julie? Well, um, I've got an indoor plant. That's also getting a fluffy, um, weird, sort of fluffy cotton woolly look to it. It's the orange one with the long, dark green leaves. I think it's called Clifford something. Clivia, Clivia. Oh, that might be it, yeah. Yeah, yep. but it's getting this fluffy, and it seems to be coming from the middle. Yeah, it will do. That's woolly aphid, I would think. It's mealybug. Oh, mealybug. Oh, mealybug yeah. oh, yeah. on Clivia, yeah. That's, that's mealybug. Oh, not a very nice pest. It sort of hides oh, all the cracks oh. and crevices of the plant. Oh. Down the middle. Yeah, and then well, starts... I, I tried to do it with a fungus um, spray no. and nearly killed it. Right. Um, and then I tried with bug clear. And that seemed to work a bit better. That's right. I don't think it stopped it. No, it won't. It's it's going to be difficult to control all of it in one go because you've got many generations there, and also they're quite tightly held right at the bases of those plants. Mm. Mm. So that chemicals it, sometimes it's difficult for it to get to where it needs to. Um, so yeah, so not a fungicide, but yeah, some kind of um, you can use things like fatty acid sprays. Uh, their contact because that would go down into the middle, wouldn't it? Yeah, run down. You've got to have that. You've got to touch the pest with it. You're looking right. at looking at fatty a product. Fatty acid sprays. Fatty, fatty acid soaps. Yeah, they come in these what we call safer sprays. So they're sort of like an organic type spray. All right. Mm-hmm. And you can spray it. But you have to spray it onto the pest. Right. Um, you can look out for products that are what we call systemic. So right. they are sprayed on a plant down. and mm. absorbed into the plant. So when the pest eats it, it ingests the chemical. Right. And there are probably quite a few good houseplant-based products yeah. you can get from your garden centres. Right, okay. uh, I'll have a look for those. Julie, and wiping off as well. Yeah. Anything yes, out? I do that. I actually wipe it good off. Good girl. Um, but um, it still comes back. Can, go can anything I just else? say one more thing? One um, more thing? Um, yes, the hydrangea. One yep. is being eaten by something of the little leaves. All round the edges are all little bites out of the leaves on one of them. The other one is fine. Uh, are they sort of semicircular bite marks, uh, or irregular, I'll just, or? I'll just have a quick look. Um, 
they're they're just like munched. They're I think yeah, they're so circular. I think they're circular. And yes. are they is it in a pot or in the ground, this plant? In the pot. Hmm. Well, it may well be that you have some adult vine weevils around. Oh, right. But it could also be confused with sometimes leaf-cutter bees, yeah. and right. that's not an issue really for us. Right, but the, the other vi- one is fine. They're right. two, and they're fairly close together, but the other one is fine. So can happen. Can happen. You can't predict, sadly. Well, the thing is, we need to prove that it is actually that pest. I mean, what you could right. do is just look inside the soil, because at the moment, uh, things like the grub stages are becoming visible again. Oh, right. So they're you might see white. some little white grubs with an orange nose. They're about right. less than half a centimetre long. Right. And if you've got that, then there are some products in your garden centres where you could you know, have vine weevil killers, or right. even use biological control, actually. You can water on the nematode. I have got vine weevil in the shed, actually. I don't I don't know how old it is, but I think I've got some. Well, is it a liquid? I'm not sure. I'd have to have a look. OK, check it out and always read the labels always to see that you're using the right thing. But that's what it sounds like. And we'll go up to Mark's Tay to talk to a Bill. Uh, Bill? Hello, Ken. Good morning to you, mate. Hi there. Um, Ken, a bit late in phoning. I've been busy in the garden. But no I'll, problem. I'll just try and get hold of you. Um, I've got a eucalyptus tree in the garden. Mm-hmm. I've had it a few years, but I've just noticed, uh, well, recently, that the bark is peeling off. It does. Ah, oh, that's a normal thing, is it? Yeah, yeah. All, all the eucalyptus plants, as they get to a certain age, will start to peel their bark. Pain it's, in the neck, because you have to clear it, it up. It is. It's one of the char- lovely decorative characteristics <laughs> of that plant, because you get really good patterns coming Unless you're it. tidying up. <laughs> but if you're tidying up, it can be a bane, yes. Well, yeah. I don't mind this, because it's on a flower bed, so it's, uh, it'll, it'll break yep. down for the flower bed. Bill, no problem at all. Thank you very much indeed. That was a nice, easy one there, <laughs> Bill, you see. Something was simple. Janet from Hawkwell. Hello, Janet. We're talking um, Bramley apple trees. Is that right? I have um, a tree in my garden that's got about 25 foot now, I should think. And um, I don't want it to be that tall. And I've had it um, pruned over the years. It's getting taller and taller. And I'm wondering whether I can just cut severely at the top of the trunk, if you like, and see whether it'll re-sprout itself. <laughs> um, well, I've seen, I've seen it um, in an orchard recently, a very old tree that's obviously had something done like that, and it's sprouted out. Just wondering if that, that could happen to my tree. It certainly will. Pollarding <laughs> Bramley apple, yeah. what do you reckon then, Tom? You're going to get a load and load of growth coming from around that cut It could point. be done. But it can, it, 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 it's all possible. But the ramifications are that you'll get a huge amount of growth from it. You'd have to thin those. Which you would need to thin out and and reduce and start to build up that structure again. When would you do it, Tom? Would you do a summer cut now or would you do it in the winter? I'd probably wait and do it in the winter. November onwards? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Does that help you? Yes, I might do something like that to my plum tree as well then. (laughs) Ah, now plum tree, I'm glad you mentioned plum tree because you need to do that now and not in the winter. And really, it's just really considered, do you really need to do it? Because plum tree, it's about trimming, just about light trimming on plum trees because they can react in a very interesting way as well and produce lots of growth. Um, But this is a good time to do it. You avoid bacterial canker and you avoid silver leaf building up. Uh, right. Uh, can I grow field mushrooms in, in a house and not button in a greenhouse and not button ones? Sonia, don't know the answer. Can you buy field mushroom? You can buy field mushroom spores, can't you? Yeah, you can go to... There's lots yeah. of places that supply you with a whole range of different types yeah. of uh, fungi. So the answer is yes, yes. you can. But you'd uh, have to find a supplier to yeah. basically do that. And, you know, they all need slightly different situations to grow in. On the subject of... Aphids. I have a young cherry tree which had lots of aphids. I read on the internet the spraying with oh, soapy, tepid water. Tried this and the aphids fell off and haven't come back. Well done, David. Yes, you give them a nice wash and it's sorted it out. But we couldn't possibly recommend soapy water, could we? Couldn't we really? Couldn't no, because no, it hasn't. No. Anyway, thank you very much to Shirley Charles as well for sending an internet picture in. Um, the plant you're holding is an oxalis. 
Oh, now this came in with one of your other plants, and it's actually got that um, centre, the sort of brown centre, which I think is one called Gold Cross right. or something like that. Um, Oxalis can be a bit of a pain because it will spread, won't it? It's got a sort of bulbous base, so um, you need to be careful. Don't just take the vegetation growth above the ground. Take the whole root system out. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. If you have a gardening question, don't forget. You can give us a call on 0800 111 and be part of the programme. Yes, every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11.